No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Welcome to another episode of Word Bros. I'm Kevin Cuff. Hello, Kevin Cuff. My name is Bob France. Hello, Bob France. It's good to see you again. Man, it's good to see you too, man. Um, very exciting stuff this week on Word Bros, uh, which is, as always, is brought to you by the fine, fine people at... Things from Another World. Yes, Things from Another World is an online comic shop. They have everything you need for all of your comics needs, comics trades toys statues all yeah yeah, they got everything man so just click the little banner right there on the word bros website go to the wordbros.com click on the little things from another world banner and start your shopping because the reason why is because we get if you buy stuff from them and you use our little portal we get money so that would be cool because then we can buy comics and make comics and shit because that's like and we also like money well, but I mean, we we don't actually ever hold the money. We just hand it out to other people. Yes, it actually just never stays in our hands for very yes. long. Yes, you know, like, cool, let's give this to somebody to do something for us. Or, or buy more comics. Yeah. So, yeah, so do that. Go to thewordbros.com, click on the things from another world portal, and uh, do your comic shopping right through there. Speaking of comics, we have Russell Nolte on this week. Russell's a good guy. He's been doing this for like 10 years, man. He's got 10 years in and he's still chugging he's, away, still he's plugging hard. Several, several comic books and, and several uh, actual prose novels. Yeah. Uh, Russell's a, a man that wears many hats. So we'll get into that now. So what's up, buddy? We've already been talking for like 10 minutes about all kinds of crazy stuff before we hit record. I know. I was like, when are they going to stop this and hit record? I'm just, we're missing good stuff. So, Well, you know, sometimes, man, like, you know, you want to sneak the recording on people who may seem a little nervous or kind of not so talkative. Sometimes I just hit record and they don't even know, which is probably illegal, I think. But they're on a <laughs> podcast, so it can't be that illegal. Um, and nobody's going to complain. So who cares? Right. But, uh, but yeah, but you know what you're doing here. You've got your own podcast, Russell Nolte. What's your podcast called? Well, I did have my own podcast. It was called The Complete Creative, and we went 200 episodes before we, uh, wow. we, we, we ended it uh, late last year. Now, why did I you actually end- just pulled it down January. Really? Yeah. Now, why did you end your podcast? That's going to ask the same question. Podcasts are a lot of work. And there are a lot of hidden money or time, like either you're paying an editor to edit it, or you are paying yourself your the time that it takes to edit. Um, I, I, I thought that I had said all that I needed to say. Okay. Like, I don't. Okay. I, I that, that's. I think that's what it came down to. It happened because I took a break after about 150 episodes, uh-huh. and then I came back and I was like, I have something to say. And then after a year, I was like, oh, I think I said it all. I think I said all <laughs> the, the things that I wanted to say. And while I love it, it's just, 
I mean, last year just wore everyone down, right? Like right. just wore, some people started a podcast to do like during that, the, the pandemic and like, that was great. But um, I just found that the thing that I love to do is write. The thing that like lights me up is writing. And I enjoy doing podcasts with other people. And I enjoy talking to people on instant messenger and doing to my, doing, um, doing the writers groups that I'm part of. But like, I felt a, an inordinate amount of pressure to like make it good really and to like make it interesting and make it new and different every time okay and uh that ended up being less fun for me than if i than all the other things that i was doing plus you only have so many hours in a day man like i do this full time and people don't understand like between nine and two i write like that's what i do like that's my like i don't like and doing the podcast would always kind of ruin the flow it'd be like hey i'm available on like Thursday at 11 or like this time. And if I wanted to get book those guests, I would be like, I guess, I guess I'm going to like ruin the flow of the writing to do, to do that. Uh And so I think that what 2020 taught me was, and I love the podcast and I think it's a great podcast, but um, what 2020 taught me was to pare down to the things that are essential to like you. I like, I feel like I cut off the entire complete creative company, pretty much. I just stopped working on it. I stopped doing all the marketing services that I do. And I just, I, 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 throughout the year, I just cut further and further back until all I was really doing was writing, uh, writing, launching books, and then, uh, and then editing comics. And I say like my days are much more interesting and much funner now that I'm not doing any of that other stuff. Okay, well, let me play devil's advocate here because we were were talking before we hit record and you were saying that your newest Kickstarter, which is on Kickstarter right now, talk about that real fast. Uh, Sure, so our our, the third volume of Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter is uh, on Kickstarter now. It's about a psychopath mental patient that escapes in a cell and maybe becomes a monster hunter during the apocalypse and doesn't know if he's killing monsters, humans, or it's all in his head the whole time. Okay. Um, and so we launched the beginning of this, uh, sorry, late last month. Uh, and uh, it goes till the 25th. Okay. But you said, you said before we started recording that you haven't had as many backers on this one as your last one. Do you think that's because you've cut back on some of your marketing and some of your other kind of uh, ventures that put you out there a little bit more? Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Okay, so so I, I, you're I, taking I feel so, that. Okay, so you're taking the good and the bad then with it. Yeah, and on top of that, you know, we just launched the last Kickstarter for Ichabod six months ago, so that mm-hmm. also has something to do with it. You know, we're still in pandemic times, so like, well, mm-hmm. some people are doing okay, a lot of people are not doing okay. I launched two Kickstarters from the since I launched the Ichabod campaign, so that probably had something to do with okay. um, mm-hmm. with, with the launch, but. But yes, uh, I think that, so here's what I found last year was I thought I was putting myself out there too much. So I thought that I, it felt like I was always on a podcast or on a virtual conference, or I was always accessible. And because I was always accessible to people, the value of what they thought of my time went down. They would say, oh, I don't have to go to this thing because Russell's just going to do have podcasts next week or he's going to do this other thing next week. And I found that since I have pared back my appearances, the value that people assess to my time is higher than it once was. Like I never would get, I got very few coaching clients when I, um, 
when I was uh, on the hundred podcasts last year, because they were like, you, you're already giving all the information, but now that I'm less accessible, people are coming to me asking me to do certain things for them or, 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 or wanting to know things that I would usually announce. But now that I'm not announcing it, I'm just kind of hiding a little bit more. I, uh, I, I can do things like this podcast or like I could go really hard during a launch of a campaign and it like means something. You know okay. what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Now did that, now did cutting back on everything and uh, did that like amp your creativity up? Like did your creativity increase from like say 150% to like 300%? Are That's you, a lot are of percent. You, is output, well, I'm just saying, is your output doubling now or is, did you see an increase in your output? Um, my output is my output is not better. My mental state is better. Ah, okay. uh, I always so, I, but I, I am now able to write a book a month. So yes, on some level, like I would eke out a book every month and a lot of months um, before I pared back. But now that I basically uh, I have much less to do, I'm able to to have more rest time and more thought time, and it allows me to come back most days more recharged than I would otherwise. Okay, that makes sense. interesting. Because I mean, you're kind of flying in the. I mean, your your logic is sound, but I think also um, it's weird to say someone they're pulling themselves back because part of this whole crazy ride that we're on here is promotion and self-promotion and getting your shit out there so the fact that you're like open and honestly saying i'm pulling myself back to make myself less available as because you're trying to make yourself more of a commodity is an interesting way to look at well and you know i think that i'm in a lucky position you know i'm a pretty well-known creator uh i i i'm well known in both with both creators and fans like i don't think that i need to be in someone's face after 10 years of doing it to like remind people that I exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that my project has to be front and center constantly to get people to remember that like Ichabod Jones is like the big project that I'm doing in comics. And that's a very blessed position. And we, I, I think that a lot of advice is put towards beginning creators or people that don't have a name. Um, and, and, and I don't think that enough because a lot of like most people will not make it to like a stage two or stage three or stage whatever the stage is like no, no so so few people will be Ben Templesmith that giving advice to people like Ben Templesmith is like such a like that's what executive coaches are for so most of the advice is put to beginners who are just starting out on their journey and like that they do need to be out there they do need to get known they do need to be at back in the day we'd say like I just would tell people just do every show. Like be on every podcast, be everywhere, so people know who you are, and you get people to to um to uh to to, to try your work. My job now is more uh is more reminding people when I'm doing a launch, um, going back on places that I've been before, so I can sh- that that have been successful for me. And that's another thing is when you're first starting out, they say to be everywhere because you don't know what's working. Like they don't know if you don't know if Instagram's gonna work or TikTok's gonna work or what being on a hundred podcasts is gonna work. So like you gotta try all this stuff, but over time, like you figure out. Like you figure out. I, I'm, I'm never gonna be good at Instagram. I'm just never gonna be good at it because I don't care <laughs> enough to be good at it. Like I don't care. Like I understand functionally how Instagram works and like what is successful on that platform. And do I you have hot abs. Do you have hot abs? I I do. I pick have pictures of hot abs. What I do is I take a picture of a hot abs and then I. Like, it's pretty. It's pretty smart. 
Yeah. yeah. Second degree. Yeah. But yeah, you're like, you're like once you learn the things that you know, don't work, it like, it's so freeing. <laughs> you're like, yeah, Facebook does work for me. Uh, Twitter kind of works and like nothing else really works. And like my mailing list works. And so like you suddenly are like, okay, I can put all of my time into those ventures, but how much time can you spend on any of those on one platform in a day? Like you can't spend, like if you're devoting all your time to Facebook, like what an hour of Facebook and you've, you've done everything you can do on Facebook in a day. Yeah. You've like planted your seeds at this point and you're just growing your garden and cultivating the garden you have instead Absolutely. of expanding the, expanding the land. If the land expands and like, if you, if you like get a, a couple new spaces to plant, that's cool. But if you don't, it's better to like make those sunflowers grow. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a great, uh, it's a great analogy because my wife has a garden outside and like for the first few years, like we were moving plants around and like figuring out what grew where and like she was bringing in different kinds of plants to see like if they, our soil was good and see if like they would grow in our garden. But like eventually, you know, we had plants and like we kind of knew where they were going to grow every year. We knew which ones were going to die, which ones were going to bloom. Like we got the things that we, and, and now it's so much less effort. Yes, right. the, there's effort in pruning them, but there's no, there's no mental thought into like, what do I plant here? It's right. how do I grow it and make sure that it flourishes? So it's actually very, like, I like the example of garden. Yeah, but don't you want a big ass farm, motherfucker? Like, <laughs> don't you want like all kinds of crazy shit on your farm? Or do you, are you content with your garden? You know, I get asked this a lot and I am content with my garden. Like I would, love to, I would love to have a book that does better than my books do. But I recognize that having, having the ability to self-fund all of your projects and get a little bit extra is like a blessed position in this industry. <laughs> and um, and I, I recognize that, that to be in that position is, 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 is wonderful. And so I long ago learned that if you always look at what you don't have, you will never be happy. And so I tried and I lived that life for a long time. And the thing that I, the thing that I've appreciated about the past couple of years is the ability to say, Hey, I might have a hit. Like I might have a bigger hit than Ichabod. Like I might have something that like catches fire when I'm 50 or 60, but like I'm almost 40. And like, I, I've had a career. Like, you know, I, I've had a, a book that goes 16 issues. I've had anthologies. I've sold tens of thousands of copies of books. Like I've had, I've, I've written 26 novels. Like I've been in dozens of anthologies. Like if someone looked back at my career right now and like I literally just died tomorrow or fell off the face Don't of the earth Don't say that, it's crazy. Like if my career ended tomorrow, like I would be able to look at it and be like, that's a career. Like you've had, like I've had a, a good modest career, like a mid-list author career. And, uh, and I stopped striving about three years ago for, to get to the next level and under, and tried to understand better the level that I'm at and I'm playing at and what I can expect from that level moving forward and how to negotiate that level. Cause this is the thing. If you're always looking for the next step, like every step in your career, like has things that are opt that optimize for it. So like, 
you know, when you're young in your career, is very advantageous to go on every podcast, even if there's four people on it, even if you're not launching, like even no, no matter what it is, like it's always a good idea because people don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, that is becomes less, that, that, that becomes less important when you're in like a little bit later stage of your career, because you're looking for the ones that like you think are going to have the biggest boost or people that you really want to get to know better or like, you know, are, are in a, an interesting topic that like you think that like you could really delve deep into that niche. And, uh, you know, when you are, if you're always looking for the next step, then you're, you're, you're not optimizing for what is there and what you can do. You know, I spent so much time a couple of years ago trying to figure out Amazon that I forgot that like, I, I, I can just launch Kickstarters and I can launch four Kickstarters <laughs> a year. And like we made $75,000 on Kickstarter last year, easily the most you've ever made on Kickstarter uh, by almost double. And, uh, and, and, and I had literally, because I was searching for like what the next thing is, I forgot that like, I got a pretty good thing right now, right yeah. here. I think that's good. That's a good way to look at it. Um, Cause Kevin and I, and I, I tweeted something out the other day that there, there's a lot of, this is a failure game. And I don't think people enjoy their successes enough. So when you're speaking about a success like that, that's very cool to be positive about, to look at the positive sides of it. Like, yes, it's not going as quickly as you want. It may not be happening as fast as you want. Your Kickstarter may not have the, the, the number of backers your last one did, but at least you're still funding and you're still making the books you want to make. Enjoy that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on top of that, like we both make very weird books, like all three people, like your books are very weird. Uh, my <laughs> books are very weird. And I think that when you have a, a you're, you're working in the niche that we both work in, you have to say, like, we're not never going to sell 100,000 copies of like these books, because there's just not the audience isn't that's not what the audience is looking for. They're looking for Batman or Superman. And, and so if you are, if you're trying to, if I'm trying to go and become like, even the next Hellboy, because like my book is not Hellboy, like it's not a superhero book, like Hellboy, even though it is uh, like weird fiction, mm-hmm. is like a, a superhero book, and it's 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 plotted in a way that like superhero books are plotted. So my books are not plotted like that. So I think that you have to understand that the the niche fans that both of us, well, at least I have, I can't speak for you guys, but that I have, yeah, like, no they, are, they are rabid fans of my work, but like, there's not enough of them for me to ever like become Mike Mignola. There right. isn't enough yeah, people that are fair, working for that kind of thing. <clears throat> to be fair, that's rarefied air. Like when he is what everyone wants to be. Like I, he's the guy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody on our kind of level always have, has looked to him as the dude he's the guy he left mainstream comics to do what he wanted to do 30 years ago right you know what i'm saying and he was successful in mainstream comics and he was he's more successful now than he ever was so well, he, you make a good point like, you know, because like he was popular in mainstream comics first so yes, like when he right. went off to do his own thing same thing with todd mcfarlane and a lot of these uh, uh jim lee all these people they ended up like having huge successes in mainstream comics and that allowed them to have success. That's a big part of why they had success in independent comics. They didn't have to reverse engineer it like we have. So it's a lot different. It's a lot different process. Like when when you're talking about, when you talk to beginning creators, they're like, oh, like I want to be where you are. And I'm like, 
it's a lot of work the other way around like so like because because we're trying i wouldn't say we're trying to get the the bigger companies to notice us uh i don't know about you know you russell but i don't if they noticed us we wouldn't be sad i wouldn't say no and and, and bobby wouldn't say no to writing something for the bigger companies but at the same time like if we keep doing this it's it's not bad either. Like we want to do this. So like, I, th I think that's where, that's where a nice place to live. And I, I'm not sure if that, is that where you are too? Yeah. It's, 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 it's one of those things where you say, okay, I like the books that I make, right. Mm -hmm. You like the, but we, I like the books that I make. And if I wanted to have a bigger, more mainstream <laughs> success, it would require me to make a bigger, more mainstream book. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I want to do that kind of book. I want to do the kind of books that I want to do. And it is possible that the next thing that I have will like be closer to the market and be closer to the market still the next time, or it might not be, but you kind of have to become okay with when you're making weird books. Like I make very weird books um, that like the market may just never catch up. And if you don't want to chase the market, then you have to be okay that the best you're going to be able to do is be a middleist author. And like, there are hundreds of middleist authors. Like that used to be the dream of, of like <laughs> authors. Like that was my dream growing up. It's like someone gives me enough money that I can like write for a living and like keep a roof over my head. And like that is, uh, and, and, and again, I try to not lose that when I think about like, wouldn't it be great if I, were Mike Mignola or like if this book did $50,000 or like every time I launch that button, I'm like, maybe this will be the one, maybe issue four, maybe volume three <laughs> will be the one that like funds in six minutes. Maybe it will. And I, every, every time I'm like, nope, it's going to do well, but like, it's, it's going to be a slog each time. And that is a fight that I have chosen to fight to make the books that I want to make. How do you feel you prepare yourself for that slog? Poorly? No, it's not true. Uh, <laughs> like mentally and physically, like how do you feel you prepare yourself for that? Because we were talking earlier and like the Metal Shark Bro Kickstarters that were 25,000 bucks, they fucking take like months of my life away from me. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Well, I uh, don't do $25,000 goals. <laughs> I, did it, I do it for anthologies, but I won't do it for anything else. Um, uh, I, 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 I now have started for the last couple of years exercising for an hour every day. So I now ride the bike. I used to go on walks. You got a Peloton, son? You got, you, got uh, the, you got the Peloton money? Yeah, let's, let's call it a Peloton. A Fake-a-ton, <laughs> like cheap-a-ton, like whatever, like the $200 version of Peloton was like, was like, I got, a, I, I got like a YouTube video up and like I'm holding a whole on Come on, Peloton. Um, so yeah, I, I, I try to stay healthy. I don't, I don't do caffeine. I don't, uh, I don't smoke. I, I drink wine occasionally. No more than occasionally. <laughs> what's in the, I, what's in the thermos now? It's water. Okay. <laughs> it's water i only drink water so like i try to keep physically like but the big game of this is mental right it's like how do you prepare mentally yes for <laughs> the fact that even if you do well you might not hit your goal yeah like you might yeah. you might do twenty two thousand dollars i'm like oh that's not twenty five thousand dollars and like it's all gone uh i like you might do 15 grand but that's not 17 grand and 17 grand is what you need um, I think that one of the things is 
to trust in your process. Like I have a process that I use every time and it has always worked and, and being able to, re to, to, to reliably fall back on that is important in my mental health. The second thing that I always try to do is say, let's say this goes tits up. Like, how are you going to recover? Uh, we were talking about this off offline. Uh, you know, I did a goal, which was mentorship for $3,000 for a year. Like you got all of our books, all of my courses, like 24, 26 hours of mentorship. And it was three grand. And I was like, this is something I've kept hidden for 10 years. Like I've, I've offered it, I think one time before. And, um, and I said like, this is the nuclear option. Like if I ever I met a campaign <laughs> that looks like it is not going to fund, that is not going anywhere, like this is the ripcord that I pull, like that emergency ripcord. And, um, and I've always had that in my pocket. I have a list of all the things that I could do for the next campaign, like offering future issues for free uh, as, an, as an upgrade. Um, Offering print uh, the the issues as as print volume as print um, instead of uh, instead of uh, instead of just digital, um, I found original art so like original art. Uh, 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 we just this was the first time that I've learned in this campaign that Renzo had done every page on boards. I did not know that until two weeks ago that he had that he had all of the original art. Because he'd always talked about digital. So I thought that he did it all digital and maybe penciled it and then like did everything inks. But I said, you know what I'm going to ask? Because like it would really help if like even 10 people spent $200 instead of $40, that's $1,500. Right. And so have, and then once we had that, I was like, oh, well, now I can relax. Okay, so original art that I can offer that I've never offered before is probably going to get at least three or four people to like up their pledge. And sure enough, like it didn't get a ton of people to pledge, but some people pledged like 200, some people put like 500 extra dollars for like original art that like I'd never offered before. That's cool. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so having these, the, the list of like, if this is not going well, these are the things that I can do. Um, I'm always trying to like have your, like, uh, like I did with this podcast, like have things that you can do every week. And that's a really big one for me is how do I plan every week? A lot of people plan stretch goals. I don't do stretch goals. Like I do weekly goals, which is everybody who backs in the first week gets these, gets this, everybody. If you back in the second week, everyone in the first, everyone from the first week gets this and new backers get just this. So it encourages you to back early. Uh, and, and, and so you get more and more stuff that keeps piling on, but it also continually brings more people in every single week. People are like, oh, you know, I didn't care about any of those books, but like, I really want this book. I really want these three books. And so planning every week puts the power in my hands because now I, because I always, I always start the, 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 the tiers on a Sunday and end them on a Saturday or I guess I always had, I usually start them on a Sunday, end them on a Saturday. Sometimes I end them on a Sunday. Um, but all of that allows me to say, I am in control of when these things open, when they close, 
Like I, I have ways to touch my audience every day if I have to. I, and, 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 and instead of relying on stretch goals, which let's be fair, like you, you announce a stretch goal and then like, it's up to the audience. Like if the audience just decides to not back that stretch goal, like you're stuck until the next stretch goal. Right. And so I, I want the control of that and feeling even, even in an uncontrolled world that there's control in what I can do helps me mentally prepare. It is still impossible until you when when you when you drop below whatever that goal number is, or you're not tracking right. And like I had a lot of bad days at the beginning of this campaign, but <laughs> but knowing that there's a process, knowing that I have things that I can do every day, knowing that like there's three thousand backers who have backed my books, and like it's really an active. If 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 I can activate those people, even twenty percent of those people, then like I have a book knowing that like the, some of the people will back for higher pledges, like all of the knowledge helps. But the minute that you launch that campaign and you're like, oh my God, there's only a thousand dollars here. And like, maybe no one will back again. Like it's been 10 minutes and no one's back that first day. And you're like, oh my God, no one's going to back. This is the worst thing. I'm never going to hit this goal, especially when it's a big goal. I am not convinced that anybody can get over that. That, 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 that you could be mentally strong enough to look at that and not be affected when you know the future of your company or your project is on the line. Um, Cause like, I'm pretty sure you do this too, but for me, I, I'm not, I, I've already paid for this book. Like I paid for this book in volume two in volume one campaigns. Like yeah. I'm paying for volume four. Like I'm paying for the cash flow to keep the company going. And so that that that, that book uh, exists <laughs> because uh, because people back the last campaigns. But but like to look at your be like crap. The next three months of my life is dependent on like this money existing. Like is hard. It's hard. It's, it's, it's like, I don't know who could, unless you have just independently wealthy, how you could look at that and not be affected by like, I've got 30 days to raise whatever that amount of money is. And that's a lot of money. That's more money than I make in like three months usually. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> no, it's an interesting, it's an interesting query and it's, and it is, it does kind of rock your immortal soul. You're just like, damn dude, how, how are we going to do this? But you know, you seem, like you said, you seem to have a system that works for you. And that's, that's really awesome, man. Uh, that's really cool. And so this, this one now, um, Ichabod Jones is on Kickstarter. We're recording on day nine. This should be released probably three days out, maybe two, because we release Mondays. So you'll hopefully get like a 48 hour bump. But yeah, cool. man, I mean, it's, it seems like you kind of got it all figured out and you're in a good place. Now, do you have any any desire to pitch to companies or are you just good where you are? I have pitched this to so many companies and gotten so many bad contracts over <laughs> the course of my career that I will not give up a piece of this IP. There is IP that I am willing to give up a piece of that does that I've not been living with for 11 years that I and me and my management team have not helped have not like made progress setting up. Uh -huh. But like, because most comic book companies require you to give up a percentage of IP ownership, uh, Ichabod and Katrina 
anything in the gods versus anything in Ichabod for the most part will cannot can physically not find homes because that is a clause I cannot give away. So um, yeah, I've, I've, I mean, it's been 11 years. It used to be at a company. Uh, I've pitched it everywhere, all around, both old, old projects and new projects. And uh, uh, you know, Ichabod is usually the standout that people want, but you know, I'm very particular about the contracts that I sign. So the next, so you're not afraid to say no then? No, absolutely not. I've said no. I mean, I have gotten a lot of contracts from a lot of companies that you, uh, that you would recognize. And I have said no to all of them for many reasons. The most important being that they wanted IP ownership. And because I live in LA, it's just a thing I can't, like, it makes no sense for me to like give IP (laughs) ownership. Like I've got my own team to like do all these things. Right. So I, I, I guess then you would be saying that Ichabod and Kachina are your two favorite children out of all your, all, all your intellectual properties. Well, they're 11, they're 11 years of my life. I mean, right. like they're the ones I brought to shows. They're the ones that built the company. Like they're the ones that have the brand behind it. So here's, I'm going to get my foot in my mouth as I, am, as, I'm, as, as I often do when I talk about publishers, but publishers by and large, do not value the effort that you put forth to bring a project to life. Mm-hmm. They say like, like the company, the, their, their, their contracts are quite one-sided and they will say that they will like, for instance, I have had multiple contracts say, we, I, we will start paying you once we recoup our print costs, mm-hmm. not take into account that I put in $10,000 of, 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 of art costs plus $50,000 of my own print costs. Um, they just say, well, these are our print. I, the, the ledger is all of the things that, that, that cost money for us uh, are, are, are recouped first. And then maybe you'll recoup the things over here that, that, that matter to you. It's been very nice be, watching, um, watching um, Scout uh, exist uh, because uh, they have a much different model than all the other companies that I've been in contact with. Uh, th- there's a couple of others that are really good. I, uh, because you guys have a book with Scout, I'm specifically talking about Scout, but there are a couple <laughs> of other ones that are that are quite good um, that I've been in talks with um, also that don't want IP ownership and uh, and and uh, or that like are okay. So it used to be you couldn't go to Kickstarter, just kickstart a book and then get right. a publishing deal. Like that right. was a thing for years. It was only recently that like, people would say, yes, you can go to Kickstarter, do Kickstarter book. And it's even more recently that publishing companies are on Kickstarter publishing books like Boom and Skybound and all of these companies, like not people who have books with Skybound, but like the Skybound company is on Kickstarter, kickstarting a book. Like right now. A lot of these companies have seen Kickstarter as a revenue stream, first off. And second of all, I think some of these other smaller publishers have realized that there's not a lot of crossover in that direct market Kickstarter market. Yeah, there's not. There's almost no overlap in yeah, the people none, that buy. Yeah, there's none. The Kickstarter crowd is its own animal. That's its own thing. And then you have the direct market crowd, and those two shall never meet because right. the, the 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 direct market crowd are, are people who are in comic shops all the time, and they they don't care what's on Kickstarter as much because they're more looking for 
books that are going to be in diamond versus right. versus your Kickstarter crowd who's looking for new and upcoming things that and, look cool. And don't like, you think, right, and I think, I think a lot of the direct market stuff in comic shops are big two things, Batman, yes. Superman, things of those, things of that nature where your Kickstarter audience can be more fragmented and niche, if you will, right. you know? But yeah, Kickstarter is a wonderful, it's a wonderful tool for creators. Um, you, you say you do mentorships and things like that. How, if someone wanted to be mentored by you or coached, if you will, how would they go about doing something like that? Well, you can email me at russell at wannabepress.com. I take on very few uh, mentorships. I often, in fact, this is the first time I've offered mentorships in a year, but I do, um, I do uh, uh, packages uh, for Kickstarter specifically. And I do, um, I, and I do single mentorships. Usually it's something like, uh, I have a book and I want to get it ready for Kickstarter. And that's what we're generally talking about strategy. And then throughout the campaign, like, uh, 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 communication and then like planning for like what to do next and, and, uh, and then how the next week will go. And then like a couple of weeks afterwards for, for, so it usually goes like 10 weeks roughly. Okay. And, okay. uh, and like, you know, the four weeks you're in the campaign, like, you know, you, you probably are going to be relying on me quite heavily for your mental sanity. <laughs> and then a couple weeks after the campaign, just like make sure, and basically until you get your money, you know, once you get the money and then and we have a plan that we've developed, um, then we, then, then like, you know, you can wean off if you want to <laughs> or continue on. And then like you need, people usually don't realize that you need six to eight weeks of prep before you get a campaign going. Like if yeah. you want to yes. do media, if you want to do press, if you want to do publicity, um, if you want to get booked on podcasts, if you want to, if you, just to get your audience ready to like find an audience, like it takes time, effort, and energy. And, you know, usually I'm in the cycle of like a month, a month, two months before I'm talking about a campaign and then I'm launching it. And then like, it's over for a few weeks and then I'm on to the next campaign. And like, it's one of these, like, it's like a sine wave. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, uh, uh, my, it's just Russell at Wannabe Press, R-U-S-S-E-L-L -S -S -E at wannabepress.com. You can also go to thecompletecreative.com uh, and uh, check out our courses. Uh, my Crush It on Kickstarter course, which I usually uh, is usually $200. I've discounted to $125 during this campaign. It's actually been quite popular this campaign. It's usually not as popular as it was this campaign. Um, and that's usually the best place to start because that will give you the basis of how to, how to design a page, um, how to, uh, and all the pieces that you know. So I usually recommend someone go through the course first and then like we can book like one-on-one, -on -one, like a package of one-on-one -on -one sessions if you choose to go that way. That's cool. Nice. All right, man. Well, it sounds like you got it all figured out. You're doing well. Uh, this, this, this newest Kickstarter that you're running is, is looking pretty good. You're doing very well. Um, Ichabod Jones, volumes one through three, that is on Kickstarter right now. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, I am on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Russell Nolte. Um, you, I also have wannabe press handles and Ichabod Jones handles. Do not at me on those because I never check them. I ever check them. Just the at Russell Nolte is the easiest way. You can also direct message me on any of those platforms if you want to get in touch with me. And then, yeah, um, you know, Ichabod Jones has been a 
labor of love for a decade. Uh, I wrote it in 2010 and we launched the first book in 2014. Uh, Kickstarter helped us bring it back to life in 2019. And uh, volume two launched last year and volume three is launching this year. And then we're gonna finish it up with volume four next year, um, knock on wood. Um, and then finish out sort of what, this monster hunter arc. But you know, if you like dark fantasy horror comedy, like really weird and really action heavy, uh, like apocalypse stuff, uh, I think the book is quite funny and also quite gory and quite action packed. Uh, Renzo has this great way of dealing with little moments and these big epic moments uh, with such grace and, uh, and, and ease that like he could, you could have one panel where he's having an uh, intimate conversation with somebody and then like a huge monster explodes and like it's, it's, it's right into the action right after that. And he can blend all of those things seamlessly and very much in the same way that Walter does. Yeah, Walter's amazing, and, and Walter's good, Renzo, yeah. I can say I have read uh, the first uh, two volumes of Ichabod. I, I have backed those campaigns, and they're great. They're they're oh, very you. funny books, man. And I would recommend that you go check them out. And I think if you like what we did on Metal Shark, you will definitely enjoy what Russell is doing. It is in the same vein, um, and has that that same kind of funny yet dark uh, vibe to it at the same time. Absolutely, there's a lot of demons. There's a lot of like humor. <laughs> There's a lot of like violence. There's a lot of like big explosions and like blood and stuff. At one point, Ichabod pulls the spine out of a zombie. It's quite brutal in the first volume. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's been a wonderful experience. And I certainly never thought that I would have a book that went as long as Ichabod has gone. And if you wanted to go further, back to Kickstarter. Russell, Absolutely. thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, good luck to you and all your future endeavors. And uh, hey, don't be a stranger. I, Thanks, I know guys. I know you're you don't want to be talking on podcasts all the time, but if you got some time, you're more than welcome to come on Word Bros. I, sure. I know you're awesome. I love it. I, well, I've been wanting to come on for a while, so I'm glad we could make this happen. There you go, my man. So yeah, Ichabod Jones back then on Kickstarter right now. Russell Nolte, thank you so much. And that was Russell Nolte. Um, very nice dude. Very informative chat with Mr. Russell. We appreciate him coming on the podcast and back his Kickstarter, man. Yeah, you got to go out there and support the creators that you enjoy. Ichabod, with your dollars. Ichabod Jones, right? Yes. Yes, Ichabod Jones live right now on Kickstarter. Do that, do that, do that. Good guy. Nice dude. Um, next week, we have Matt Emmons, who's coming on the podcast. He's going to be promoting his Kickstarter. And maybe we could talk a little bit about the book that we're working on with Matt, which could be very exciting. Matt's an up-and-coming dude. He's got, a, he's got some books that he's working on. He's got a Kickstarter he's going to launch here soon. He does a podcast himself called Comics Inebriated with friend of the show, Liana Kangas. Yes. And Matt's just an all-around great guy. And Kevin, I heard your, I was listening to the latest episode of Comics Inebriated today when I was get bringing in my groceries and the first voice I heard on their podcast was you was me yes I don't I don't know how that could be because well, I wasn't on their podcast we recorded audio drops for them like hey this is so and so and so and so and your voice is the first voice I heard I was like that's so weird Kevin's just everywhere I can't escape him I love it <laughs> yes I am inescapable I yes. am I'm the Kevin
So yeah, so we can talk about, we'll talk about Matt's Kickstarter. We'll talk about comics inebriated. We'll talk about the stuff that we're doing with him. Just, it's going to be a good conversation. Matt's a fun guy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Me too. It should be a lot of fun. So thank you very much for listening to The Word Bros. Um, go to thewordbros.com, buy our books uh, on, on our website. There's a little, little banner right there that says buy our books. Buy our books right there. We'd appreciate that. And if you do, we do all. We always do kind of neat little things in the books that you buy from us from from the site. So yeah, I saw that you did. Like, didn't you color in the book? I colored in one of the books. Yeah, what a guy. I I colored in it because you know if you're going to take the time to go to the website and do all that, I'll take a little extra time out and and color in your book or draw a little Ira or something. You you can get a crappy sketch from a writer. Like you know, everybody wants one of those. Those are the hotness. Everybody. Everybody wants one. Everybody. And also leave us a rating or a review. Uh, Oh, five stars only, though. Five stars. And follow us on, if you listen to us on uh, Spotify, follow us there. Subscribe on iTunes. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week with more Word Bros. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com. 